Welcome back to the God Revelation podcast, where we are taking a verse by verse, chapter by chapter study of the book of Revelation out of the New Testament. And we teach and believe what the word of God says in Revelation, that you are blessed by reading the words of this book. So you shall you should not be afraid you should want, as a believer, you should want to read, want to be reading and have read this book. And according to God's word, you will be blessed. Specifically, Revelation chapter 1 verse 3 says this. Blessed is the one who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and keep the things which are written in it. For the time is near and the time that is referring to in verse number three out of chapter one of the book of Revelation is the glorious return of our Lord and Savior Jesus. So this book is about him like all books of the Bible. However, this books give this book gives us those things that must come to pass before his return to this earth for a second time. And so we believe and we teach and it is true because God says it's true in his word that you are blessed by reading these words. So as a believer, you should not run from this book. You should run to this book. I don't know any other book and God's word where it say you would be blessed by reading it, although you will be blessed by reading it. But when God and his word explicitly say you would be blessed by reading, we should read it. We should study it. We should not run from it. We should not say, oh, it's too hard. It's too complex. It's too much going on. It's too scary. If I'll, if you are a believer and you believe in the word of God, when he says that by reading this particular book, book, you're blessed, take him at his word like you do everything else and read it and understand it. And that's a part of why we are doing this podcast to break down and get a better understanding of God's word as he lays, as he has laid before us those things that must and have to and will come to pass, whether you believe it or not or whether you understand it or not. These things are going to come to pass before his glorious return. And not only upon his glorious return, what can we expect after he return? Peace on this earth. Perfect peace. No more dying. No more sickness, no more strife, no more any of these things that are currently ailing our society, this world, all of it would be gone. No more sinning, no more lying, no more stealing. None of that. We will live in a perfect world with him as our king. And this book tells us about what that's going to look like. Now we can have confidence that one, he's going to return and is going to be after his return. This world is going to be, as he said, as it's going to be. And so we are blessed by this book. We're more blessed by the fact that Father God has sent his only begotten son, Jesus, to die for our sins and given us opportunity to confess our sins and repent of our sins and be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life with him to be experienced the other side of his return, not 
having judgment brought on us and condemned to be eternally in the lake of fire. That's reserved for non-believers. But if you're a believer, what's on the other side of his return is marvelous and glorious and wonderful and perfect. And he talks about this, about that in this book, and we're going to get to that. In this episode, we're going to look at chapter 11 out of the book of Revelation. So if you're not already done so, please open up your Bible or your Bible app and turn to the book of Revelation chapter 11 out of the New Testament. But before we get into today's study, as I always like to do, I would like to remind you that if you've missed any episode of this podcast, Cast the God Revelation podcast, or the other two podcasts, that's the Renewing Your Mind with the Word of God podcast, where we're taking a verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the books out of the New Testament. We're currently in the book of John. As of this recording, we're in the book of John. Uh, if you miss any of those episodes or in the other podcast, the Holy Spirit podcast, which is a in-depth study of the third person of the Holy Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. And I admit, if you go there, I think it's only two or three episodes. I admit that I have been lax on um, putting out new episodes in on that podcast. And it's my prayer after the holiday break that pick it up in January, February of this coming year of 2023 uh, to pick it up and be more diligent and getting more episodes out in that podcast. As I just alluded to, I think I spoke in the other podcast that we're going to take off the month of December so there will not be any new episodes in the month of December. And we will pick up in the latter part of 2023 or February 2023 and with all podcasts. But again, if you miss any of the past podcasts, uh, episodes for any three podcasts, you can find them on our website at renewyourmindministries.org. Again, that's Renew Your Mind Ministries. That's M I N I S T R I E S dot O R G. You can find past episodes and all future episodes will be located on our website. Or you can find them wherever you can listen to a podcast, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeart, Google Podcasts. Wherever you can listen to a podcast, you should be able to find all three of our podcasts there as well, where you can download them and listen to them at your leisure or uh, listen to them directly from those streaming sites or as well as from our website. And you can also tell Amazon Alexa to play play the uh, podcast and she will do so as well. Um, if you need to email me, I can be reached at renew your mind, the letter M at gmail.com. Again, that's renew your mind, the letter M at gmail.com. Or you can always write me or write us. I'm Brother Arnold at P.O. Box. That's Renew Your Mind Ministries, P.O. Box 721143, Jackson, Mississippi, 39272. And you can also find us on Facebook. That is facebook.com forward slash Renew Your Mind Ministries, I-N-C. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Renew Your Mind Ministries, I-N-C, and as I always like to do, is encourage you to share 
the podcast with others. If you're being blessed, if you're being fed by studying the Word of God through our three podcasts, tell someone about it. It doesn't cost anything. We are commanded by the Word of God to spread His Word to the ends of the earth until He returns. And so that's your opportunity to do that if you're not always if you're not already witnessing to people, hey, say, hey, if you're looking for the word of God, if you're hungry for it, you want an opportunity to better uh, study it, uh, tune into these podcasts and give them the name of them. Tell them where they can find them on our website or on any of those uh, platform, podcasting platforms. We would appreciate it, and, and they will be blessed by it. You, me, no one who claims to be a believer just woke up and said, I'm accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Someone had to tell you about him. Someone told you and showed you about him in the word. And through that, being exposed to the word, your heart was open to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because faith come by hearing and hearing the word of God. And so are there others out there who may be non-believers or believers who need to hear? We all need to hear the word of God. And so... Um, if you know someone that's interested in, in actually hearing the word of God and um, studying it, studying the word of God, hey, tell them about these programs. Tell them about renewing your mind with the word of God. If they're interested in revelation, have some questions, think it's too scary, don't want to understand it, tell them about the God Revelation podcast where we're breaking it down and they can listen to it at their leisure and get caught up. And if they have more questions or want a better understanding of the Holy Trinity, specifically the Holy Spirit, tell them to listen to that podcast. Again, we're a little lax in that, but we're going to make that up in 2023. But sure, share the podcast with others. I thank you very much for doing so. All right, now let's get back to the action. We're going to look at verse, excuse me, chapter 11 out of the book of Revelation In our last episode, we looked at chapter 10 out of this book, and chapter 10 was a interlude or pause in the action between the six and seven trumpets. Uh, Particularly, um, we see Jesus telling the writer of the book of Revelation, which is his disciple, John, one of the 12 disciples, John, he's on the island of Patmos. He's been exiled there to do hard labor because of his confession and teaching of Jesus Christ. He's been banished there. And God has taken him in the spirit and shown him these things that he told him to write down in this book that we're currently studying called the book of Revelation. Because he wants the world to know I'm coming back. And before I come back, these are the things that are going to have to transpire. They're going to transpire before I come back. And so he's giving us a head up. He's giving us insight into those things that's going to happen. And and oftentimes we don't focus on it. And that's why I've been saying it in this episode. Not only the things that's going to happen leading up to his return, but what's going to happen after he returns to this earth, the streets of gold and the no more dying and, and no more sickness and peace and no more stealing and no more sin. That stuff is talked about in this book as well, which we're going to get to. So again, chapter 10, it was a break in the, in the action of the judgments between six and seven. And in this particular episode is, it starts off with a continuation of that pause in the action between the six judgment trumpet and the seven drug judgment trumpet, even though they're going to eventually get into um, the sixth one. But the, this chapter 11 starts off with a continuation of really the interlude and the pause and the action between 
the judgment. So that's where we're going to see in the beginning part of chapter 11, a continuation of the pause in the action of the judgment. So let's get there. If you have not done so, open your book, uh, your Bible or your Bible app to the book of Revelation chapter 11. And before we get into it, let's pray, if you will. Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for being our great, mighty, awesome God, the only God, the true God, the living God, our God. So we thank you for being our God. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, sending him to die for our sins, that we may have an opportunity to have our sins forgiven, to have eternal life with you and have um, those things which you promise in this book that we shall experience as believers. Lord, we thank you that you will open up our eyes, our ears, our hearts, and our minds to better receive and understand your word, to understand what you're trying to convey, that your word would not return to you void, but it would go out and do the things that you would have set forth for you to do. We thank you and we give you praise and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All right, let's look at chapter 11, verse 1. And I'm reading from the NIV version, so your particular uh, version may have different words than I do. So if you're reading along and you're using a different version other than the NIV version, depending on which NIV version you're using, they, the words may also look a little different. So that's why. Again, I always encourage you to read the word of God. And if you're reading a, if you're reading a version of the Bible, like the old King James that you don't understand, get you a different version. Like for example, the NIV. Um, I know growing up and then we're going to get into the, the episode, but I'd like to just put this out. Because I think uh, I'm not the only one who has the experience of finding difficult to read and understand the original translation of the uh, King James Version because it is written in a English dialect that we no longer use. And and if you don't know and you're listening that, you know, the original word of God was not written in English. It was translated into the, uh, into English and when it was originally translated they used the King English. They translated it into the way they spoke and wrote at that time. Thus the ye's, the days, the thou, and, and all those things. But we don't speak that way anymore. And so um, even though they've updated the language into our current way of speaking and writing English, the translation and what the words mean has not been lost because the original words of God of the Bible is written in uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And so those things have been translated into modern day English. And you can use the NIV versions and some other versions. Just as I always like to warn, stay away from paraphrase Bibles because paraphrase Bibles, um, while they may be good for a supplement study, they're not good for reading. If you want a word for word, as best that we can get it from Hebrew, Greek and Aramaic into um, English. So don't think that you just have to go with the King James Version. Matter of fact, they have in a new King James Version where they've updated the English into the English language that we speak and read today. So it'd be you could read the Word of God and have a better understanding. So if you're reading a version that you don't understand, do some research, do some praying, and get you a version that you can understand the Word of God. It will you will be enlightened by that. But nonetheless, open up your Bible and your Bible after. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 1, which reads, I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, go and measure the temple of God and the altar and with at its altar with its worshipers. This verse tells how John, that's the disciple who is who wrote the book of Revelation, received a measuring rod and a command to measure measure God's temple, the altar and the worshipers. 
this temple is not in heaven because the following verse says it would be occupied by Gentiles. So obviously the Gentiles cannot take over the temple in heaven. So this temple that John is instructed to measure is a temple on the earth, not a temple in heaven. During this interlude or a period of peace at the beginning of the tribulation, the Jews would construct a temple and resume sacrifice uh, on the altar in this temple. So this is the temple that John is, um, is told to measure. They're rebuilding the Jews, eventually going to rebuild the temple. They had two previous temples, which were ultimately destroyed. And for every, and for a long time now, the Jews have been wanting to rebuild the temple and restart their animal sacrifices there. And so doing this at some point during most likely the beginning time period of the tribulation, the temple is going to be rebuilt on the earth. And that is the temple that John is told to measure in verse one of chapter 11. And when the temple is rebuilt, the Jewish will, will again start to assemble to worship in the temple as they had done for centuries um, with the first temple and the second temple that was ultimately destroyed by the Romans and was never rebuilt. But again, it will be rebuilt in the beginning, most likely in the beginning part of the tribulation. All right, moving on to verse number two of Revelation. But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. John is told not to measure the tribulation temple that will be on the earth during the tribulation time. He's told to omit the outer court because the Gentiles would trample the holy city of Jerusalem. The holy city spoken of here is Jerusalem for 42 months. Then we're going to have these two witnesses during the final half of the seven year tribulation. Uh, these two witnesses appear, and we're going to get into that in the next verse, verse number three of the book of Revelation, chapter 11. And, and I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for one thousand two hundred and sixty days, clothed and sat cloth. And again, when it says I here in this verse, that's God talking to or explaining to John what he's ultimately is going to write in the book of Revelation was say, I will appoint my two witnesses. It's not John talking. This is God talking to John saying he would appoint two witnesses. And throughout history, regardless of how dark and evil the times are, God has his witnesses. He's going to always have someone on the ground witnessing and telling about him. Noah was his witness in the pre flood days. Abraham was his witness in Canaan centuries before the Hebrews occupied Canaan. Joseph was his witness in pagan Egypt. Gideon and other judges was his witnesses in the times of the judges when the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served Baal. Judges, you can find that in Judges 2.11. Elijah stood for the Lord in the days of the wicked, of the wicked Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Daniel was God faithful witness in Babylon. So we see throughout history, God has always provided a witness for this earth to know that he is God and to testify of his goodness and his power. And we see a continuation of that. Even in this horrible times of the tribulation, God is going to set forth or send forth two witnesses to testify to this earth during this great tribulation to repent and to come to God 
This verse also tells us that these two witnesses that God is going to send will prophesy for 1,260 days. That's the second half of the tribulation. The following verses describe an awe-inspiring sequence of events meant to prove God's involvement in their messages. In other words, things are going to be going on that ultimately everybody's going to know and understand that these two witnesses are from God. The sackcloth mentioned in this verse picture repentance, and repentance is demanded during this time because it's going to be a time of wickedness and unbelief, and they have to repent of this, and God is that is demanding repentance. And as we've already seen in past chapters, that's going to be few and far between. The people's hearts are going to be hardened and they won't come to Jesus. They still won't come to God. The witnesses' sackcloth also demonstrate their mourning over Israel's black-slitten condition. This is a common symbol, especially in the Old Testament, of regret and sadness. So these, the sackcloth rep- represented of these things of repentance and mourning. And you can follow up and find those what sackcloth means in Genesis 37, 34, 2 Samuel 3, 31, Jonah 3, 5. The witnesses are described in the next in the next coming verses, verses number four. So let's move on to verse number four of chapter 11 of, of the book of Revelation. They are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of earth. The oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and the lampstands are light bearers. Thus, we have a picture of these two witnesses as anointed by the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the message of light in the midst of a sin-blackened world. Because during this time, Satan is going to reign lawlessness is going to reign sin is going to reign because God has removed the church the believers to rapture go back and look at listen to the past episode where we talked about that and so Satan is in control of this world and so it's going to be as we've already seen a lot of bad things happening but through these witnesses there's still light God's light And before we go on, we're not told who these witnesses are. Now, there's been a speculation about who these witnesses are. Uh, particularly, most Bible scholars believe these two witnesses will be Elijah and Enoch. Malachi 4.5 says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. And that's often translated when they say that great and dreadful day of the Lord is talking about tribulation. So most Bible scholars believe that's going to be Elijah because Malachi 4 or 5 in his word of God, he says he's going to send the prophet during these times. So most Bible scholars believe one of those witnesses would be Elijah. And the second reason a lot of Bible scholars believe is going to be Elijah because Elijah never, uh, based upon God's word in the Bible, experienced physical death. He was taken to heaven. And so as we often are going to see, these two witnesses are going to physically die. And so many Bible scholars believe it's going to be Elijah because one is verse that God said he's going to send Elijah back during the great and dreadful days of the Lord to come. That's most uh, Bible scholars interpret that as the, the tribulation. And then the second reason, because the Bible says every man is appointed his day to die and Elijah never died. He was taken up. So this would be his opportunity because he's ultimately going to be killed and resurrected. That would be his earthly death most and um other bible scholars believe that enoch will be 
this second witness because he too, according to the word of God, he never experienced physical death. He was taken to heaven as well without experiencing uh, physical death. And you can see that in Genesis 5, 24 about Enoch never uh, being taken into heaven, not experiencing physical death. That's Genesis 5, 24. And if you want to he- read about when Elijah was taken uh, to heaven with the chariots of fire, you can find that in 2 Kings 2, 9 through 11. That's 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. So based upon those two things that Elijah and Enoch never experienced physical death, that these would be the two witnesses, because ultimately, as I said, and we're going to see, they're going to be killed. That would be their physical death. But the word, the book of Revelation doesn't tell us who these two witnesses are. These, again, a speculation uh, that most Bible scholars uh, say, some Bible scholars say is Moses. But again, we're not actually told who they are. These are just speculation. But regardless of who it is, they're going to be two witnesses because God's word says they're going to be two witnesses. And those things that we're going to see them do. Indeed, they will be doing. All right, let's move on to verse number five of the book of Revelation, chapter 11. If anyone tries to harm them, that's the two witnesses, fire comes from their mouths and devour their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. And this verse, we read about the remarkable power that the two witnesses possess. No four enemy can stand against them. We learn that fire issues or comes from their mouth and destroy anyone who dares to harm them. Those who endeavor to harm, harm these two witnesses are doomed to be killed until such time as God, they have completed their mission and God allows them to be killed before them, which we're going to see before then no one can come against them because people are going to try to be killing them because they're going to be preaching the word of God. They're going to be preaching repentance in a world that is going to be controlled by Satan. No one's going to want to hear that. Matter of fact, as we're going to see, once, they're de- once they are killed, the world is going to celebrate like it's Christmas and give and exchange gifts. That's how bad they're going to want these two individuals killed. And we're going to see that just giving your heads up. But verse number five tells us that no one will be able to harm them. And to such time as God has allowed them to be killed, they are not going to be killed. Verse number six, they had, they have power to shut up the heavens so that it would not rain on the time they're prophesying. They have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Moving on. And we're going to, for, for the sake of continuity we're going to read verse 7 as well now when they have finished their testimony the beast that comes out of the abyss would attack them and overpower and kill them up to this point the two witnesses have been invincible everyone who attacks them is killed and they can send plagues still according to to this verse, the two witnesses become the victims of a demonic force from the bottomless pit that we talked about in the previous episode. It is important to note that they will not meet their death until they finish their testimony. So even once this beast or demonic being comes out of the bottomless pit or the abyss comes to kill them, no one can kill them to that time. So the two witnesses cannot die until they have completed their ministry of prophecy for 1,260 days. And so that's approximately three and a half years. So during the second half of this tribulation, 
We're going to have all this stuff that's been going on. At the same time, we're going to have these witnesses testifying to the world to repent and come to God. And unfortunately, many, many, many will not. And it's going to make the world mad to the point they're going to want them killed, but they're not going to be able to kill them. And we also see in this verse, going back to verse number six, another reason why they're going to hate them and kill them, because during this time, not only are they going to be testifying about God and repentance and coming to God, they're not going to want to hear this, but also they're going to be suffering through not having rain due, due to the witnesses, according to verse six, not allowing to rain for periods of time, for bringing on uh, various, actually what we saw doing Moses time when he was trying to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go, turning water into blood, striking the earth with various kinds of plagues. And so the people are going to be witnessing, experiencing these things, and they're not going to want it. They're not going to want to go to go through it. They're not going to want to hear it. And so they're going to try to kill them, but they're not. But once they're finally killed, the world will celebrate. How awful. How awful. All right, moving on to verse number eight. Their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is figuratively in some translations say spiritually called Sodom and Egypt where also their Lord was crucified. So this verse 18, excuse me, verse eight is picking up with verse seven after the uh, beast that comes up from the bottomless pit or the abyss overtakes them and kill them only after they fulfilled their mission of prophesying for 1,260 days, which is roughly three and a half years. Then verse eight says their bodies will lie in the public square of the great city, which is Jerusalem. For all that, it's not surprising that when these men are finally killed, they do not receive a decent burial. Instead, their bodies are left in the street like animal carcasses to just decay. You know, when you just go down the highway and you see dead raccoons and dead dogs on the highway, these men, men now, are just left in the street for their body to just decay or whatever happened to the body. No one cares. No one even would give them a decent burial. That's how debased society would be at that time. Since Jesus was crucified in Jerusalem, we know the city in this verse where they died and bodies lay is Jerusalem. Cause it says where also their Lord was crucified talking about Jesus. That's so this great city they're referring to in which these two witnesses will ultimately be killed and their bodies will be laying in the street, will be in Jerusalem. And it's called figuratively, symbolically, Jerusalem, that is, according to this verse, it's called Sodom and Egypt. The reason why is because the corrupt and more spiritual condition that exists in Sodom before its destruction and the idolatry that was everywhere in Egypt before God judged it, judged it will be Symbolic of Jerusalem. That's how Jerusalem will be during this time. Filled with idolatry, filled with moral corruption and spiritual corruption like Sodom was. So that's why they will be calling the great city where Jesus was crucified. Sodom in Egypt. That's how far down morally they would have become. Which is symbolic of the Israelites, the children of Israel. All right, moving on to verse number nine. For three and a half days, some from every people, 
tribe, language, and nation would gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The death of the two witnesses is observed by the entire world. How can that be, we may ask? Today, through the media of television and hell-held devices, like everybody got a cell phone. Everybody got a cell phone. Little kids, old kids, <laughs> I mean, older people. You know, everybody has a cell phone now. Anything that's happening over currently now, there's a war going on in Ukraine. You can get on your phone and watch the wars that happen. So it'd be not surprising when these things happen that when they're killed and their bodies being laid in the street, everybody better witnesses. There'll be cameras there. Everybody can go on their phone, on their computer, you know, tablet, what have you, and be able to see these things transpire. So with today's media of satellites, real-time imaging and video and cell phone, everybody, when this verse, verse 9 says that from every people, tribe, language, and nation would gaze upon their body, that's how. That's how, through their cell phones, through the television. There's nothing that can happen in this world now that with the advent of a cell phone, a video can be taken of and shared around the world. So a couple of decades ago when someone may have read verse 9 out of the book of Revelation chapter 11, they may have wondered how can everybody see these bodies land in the street? Now we know how everybody, when this, when this verse says every tribe, language, people, and nation would gaze upon their body. Cell phones, satellite, media, the television. That's how it's going to happen. Moving on to verse number 10. Out of the book of Revelation chapter 11. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts. Because these two prophets have tormented those who live on the earth. Man, this sinful world is so happy to see these men murdered that they exchange gifts like it's our Christmas. Widespread celebration breaks out around the world. That's how far down morally this world would have become where people are celebrating the death of two individuals by exchanging gifts. That's how they celebrate. They're so overwhelmed that they want to give gifts to one another that two people have been killed and bodies are just laying in the street. That's when human beings are without God. That's how debased they become and can go even lower. Why were they rejoicing so much? The unbelievers here are rejoicing because the two witnesses term has tormented them. That is, they have severely offended them by the preaching they've been doing of the word of God. They don't want to hear that. And by the supernatural powers they've been they are being they have shown to the world. Remember, in the early verses said they have the power to make it not rain. Think about a society where it's not raining when you're depending on culture, to uh, um, agriculture, farming, and your animals, and they're not getting rain. You can't grow anything. People are going to be mad, turning water into blood. They can't use water. People are going to be mad. Plagues coming over. People are going to be mad. So people are going to be mad at these individuals. So that's why they're going to celebrate so much when they're finally killed. Because darkness can t- cannot tolerate light. Now these tribulation unbelievers will celebrate. Because they think they've gotten rid of these two witnesses, but they're wrong. Something similar occurred when Jesus, the light of the world, when he came into this world. John 3.19 declares, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works 
were evil. Ultimately, the lovers of darkness demonstrate their hatred of Jesus by nailing him to the cross. And they're going to celebrate by these two, celebrate the death and the rotting of these two witnesses, their bodies rotting in the street. They're going to celebrate that. It's like they celebrated when the light of the world, Jesus was crucified. But thank God he was because through his sacrifice, we have an opportunity to have our sins cleansed because of his blood. Thank you. Thank you for that. Moving on to verse number 11. But after, aha, they thought they got rid of him. But if we find out in verse 11, they hadn't. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them. And they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Verse number 12. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on. Hallelujah. Just as God breathed the breath of life into Adam's lifeless body after creating him. So God breathes into the lifeless bodies of these two witnesses and they stand up. Now, death and dread. One would assume surprise, shock and dismay washed over the unbelievers as they are watching their cell phones and watching TVs. After three and a half days, these two witnesses come back to life. And it's important to remember that the world is watching this. So they're watching the death. They're watching them laying in the street and they're exchanging gifts and they're celebrating it. And all of a sudden, God breathed life back into them and they come back to life and everybody in the world sees it. And what does the word say? They were struck with terror. And not only that, not only did they witness the resurrection of these two witnesses that was killed, they heard a loud voice. They heard the voice of God. The voice command the witnesses to come to heaven. Then the witnesses ascend to heaven in a cloud as their enemies looked on. So not only are they going to see them dead, they're going to know they're dead. They're going to see their bodies in the streets instead of burying them, starting to decay in the streets for three and a half days. And then they're going to see them resurrected with life, back to life. They're going to hear a voice. They're going to hear God's voice. This is the unbelievers. And they're going to see them go to heaven. Think about that. Everyone is going to see that. Unlike the rapture of the church in Revelation 4.1, the rapture of these two witnesses is a public event. Because remember, when the church is raptured, that's going to kick off the tribulation. It's just going to disappear. One day, second somebody be here, next second they're gone. But with these particular two witnesses, the people are going to see them ascend or go up into heaven in a cloud. And everybody's going to see it through television, through cell phone, what have you. Everybody's going to see this. And then let's move on to chapter 13, excuse me, verse 13. At that very hour, as these two witnesses are ascending to heaven, there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed. 
7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors was terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Hmm. Talk about a television spectacle. Here we have two men come to life again and then vanish in the cloud. Next, an unprecedented earthquake hits the city, and 7,000 people are killed in levels one-tenth of Jerusalem. All this stuff happened at one time, and everybody across the world are going to be able to see it because of their cell phones and television and so forth and so on. Think about how this is going to play out on the news and all the other things that are going to be going on. You would think that people would be running to God, but instead, they won't. Panic grips the survivors of the earthquake that occurred when God rapture these two witnesses. We see in this verse that the survivors are said to ascribe glory to God. This does not mean those people worship or honored God. They recognize his power, but they are not said, but it is not said they repented. They are, they are astounded and alarmed, but not repentant. So in other words, they recognize God power. They was alarmed and they was astounded. They was astonished by witnessing it, but they didn't come to repentance. They didn't honor God. They didn't worship him, God. They was just amazed at what they were witnessing or had witnessed. That's what we're seeing here. Moving on to verse number 14. The second woe has passed. The third woe is coming. This verse announced that the second woe has passed and the third woe is coming. It's coming. Remember the angel in uh, Revelation 8, 13 cried, woe, woe, woe. The first woe, if you remember, was introduced by the sound of the fifth trumpet that brought the plagues of invading locusts. You can go back and look at Revelation 9, 1 through 12. When we look at the episode or listen to the episode when we discuss Revelation 9. The second woe was introduced by the blast of the sixth trumpet, and it, and it involved the release of the four, the four fallen angels to kill a third of mankind. Now the final woe, the final woe, woe or the seventh trumpet is about to sound. So we started off this trap chapter with the interlude or the pause in the action between the trumpet judgments. But now we're going to get back to the trumpet judgments because the third woe is here. So let's look at verse number 15. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven, which says the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah. And he will reign forever and ever. When the seventh angel blows his trumpet, spontaneous Worship breaks out in heaven. Loud voices proclaim the good news that the kingdom of the world is now the kingdom of God and his son, Jesus Christ. Although Jesus does not return to the earth at this time or establish his kingdom on the earth at this time, both events are anticipated will take place at the end of the tribulation when Jesus come to earth in glory and defeat his enemies and cast the beasts and the false prophet, which we're going to get into, into the lake of fire. Revelation 19. We hadn't got there yet, so just stick with us. All right. So what we're seeing here is this, as we have seen before, spontaneous, a certain period of time or when certain things have taken place in the Revelation, that the saints 
and the angels in heaven start worshiping our God, particularly because the time is coming where Jesus will be back on this earth reigning as the king of kings. Moving on to verse number 16. And the 24 elders who were seated on their throne before God fell on their faces and worshiped God. So this verse tells us how the 24 elders who sits on the throne which represent believers, they begin to worship God. So we have the angels worshiping God. We have the believers worshiping God because he is so worthy to be praised and worshiped. He's such a good God, particularly as believers who have escaped all this that's going to be going on. Don't escape all that. Escape the wrath of God that's going to be going on that we're talking about in this tribulation. That's why you want to be a believer. That's one reason why you want to be a believer of Jesus Christ. All right, Revelation eleven seventeen, Saying, we give thanks to you, Lord God and Almighty, the one who is and who was because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Their prayer here is to Jesus, because Jesus is the one who was, who is to come. The 24 elders say the Lord has taken his great power and had begun to reign. This reign began when he returns to earth. Again, when Jesus returned to earth after the battle of Armageddon, which is really not going to be a battle, he's going to return. All right, moving on to verse 18. The nations... We're angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, for the destroying and for destroying those who destroy the earth. So we see in verse 18, notice what happened when Jesus, when Jesus returns, that the nation's going to be angry because he's coming for judgment on them. The days of God's wrath has come as Jesus returns. And at the conclusion of Jesus one year reign, the wicked are judged. And we're going to see all these things in Revelation 20. Another things we see with this verse when he comes the faithful, his faithful prophets and saints, small and great, are reward, rewarded. They're going to be rewards at the end of the thousand year reign to the believers of the good works, if you have any. That's why the Bible talks about storing up good works in heaven for those things will never fade. They will never tarnish. So we see in verse 18, those things are going to happen once God returns, that the nation is going to be angry because his wrath is going to be unleashed, has been going on. They don't want to have anything to do with God, so they're going to be angry. He's going to judge the dead, and he's going to reward the believers and destroy those who destroy the earth, those fallen angels. Those demonic angels are going to be tearing up the earth. They will be destroyed as well at the end. And again, this is just a prelude to those things that we're going to talk about later on in this chapter. So just stay tuned. All right, moving on to verse number 19. Then God's temple in heaven was open, and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning and rumblings and pearls of thunder, an earthquake, and a severe hailstorm. The temple and the ark picture Israel. So the chapter ends by introducing us to um, Israel 
and chapter 12 picks up on what's going to be going on with the children of Israel during the tribulation. So we will pick up in chapter 12 and the next episode as God began to reveal to John what his plans are for Israel during this time. As I told you before, the book, these books, quote unquote books that we're reading are really letters. And so when they were originally written, they were not broken down into verses and chapters. Those are things that came centuries later to help people read and study the Bible better. So, and sometimes with these breaks, what we call chapters, they're at times are probably not the best place to start or end a chapter. So really the end of nine verses, excuse me, the end of chapter 11 is the beginning part of chapter 12. So that's why it ends like that. And so we'll see more of this being fleshed out about Israel again in the next chapter, which is chapter 12. And that's what we'll pick up on next time. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you for being our great God. I thank you, Lord. You're great. You're awesome. You're magnificent. You're worthy. Thank you for this time to better study your word, Father. I thank you for Lord Jesus. I thank you for all listeners. Lord, I lift them up, Father, interceding on their behalf of their needs, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for opening up our eyes, our ears, and our minds better. Read and understand it, Father. Have a desire to read and understand it. Thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Until next time, you pray for me and I'll pray for you. Amen.